Hi again, folks. This is episode 17 of Internal Budget. Thank you for being here. Really. Truly, I mean that. It baffles me that after 17 weeks of this, you guys are still listening. Uh, So thank you very much for that. Make sure you rate the podcast five stars, share it with your friends, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Again, little things. They are little things, but they go a long way with your old pal Brandon, and he really appreciates it. Man, there was some drama this week, wasn't there? Brendan Leipzig, now formerly of the Washington Capitals, found himself in some hot water after it was revealed that he was saying some less than polite things about women in an Instagram group chat, including but not limited to wives and girlfriends of current players in the National Hockey League, as well as some jabs at teammates that could have been in jest, but I mean, given the rest of the chat's content, it's hard to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And I know I said less than polite things about women, but I really don't want to diminish it too much because some of the stuff that was said was It was frankly vile and disgusting the way that this dude and his brother Jeremy and a bunch of other nobodies spoke about these women and, you know, nobody should be talked about that way. And and look, I don't want to make it seem like I'm sitting on a high horse because I'm not. I grew up in hockey locker rooms. I grew up in football locker rooms. I haven't always been a person that I can look back fondly on. I've said some things that I'm not proud of. And if there's anyone listening right now who I've ever hurt with things I've said or things I've done, I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, apologize. Hindsight's twenty twenty and everything, but... I mean, we all make mistakes, but growth is the best thing you can hope for. And I think that's one of the things that really bugs me about this whole Leipzig thing. This isn't a dude who is in a high school locker room saying things he doesn't fully understand. The guy's 25 years old. He's 25. You know at that age what's right and what's wrong, what's appropriate to say, and what's not appropriate to say. And there were people coming into his defense saying things like, oh, well, I guess you're perfect, and I guess you've never said anything wrong in your life. And No. Like I said... I'm a prime example of an athlete, a male athlete who grew up in this kind of machismo culture that Brock McGillis and I were talking about a couple weeks ago. 
Brendan Leipzig is not a teenager. But this is a culture that he was brought up in and a culture that extends all the way from minor hockey to the National Hockey League. I mean, Christ, like, people still think this is an isolated incident. It's not. How can you say that after everything that's happened over the last almost calendar year now within hockey and even before that? Like, when can we admit that there is fundamentally a problem ingrained in the culture of this sport? And yes, no, I know it's not limited to the sport of hockey. I, no, I understand that. But hockey is a prime example. And the reason it continues to be a prime example of this toxic, racist, sexist, misogynistic, homophobic behavior is because people refuse to look themselves in the mirror and admit that there's a problem. Brett Hall, one of the greatest hockey players in history, one of the greatest ever lace up a pair of skates, goes out this week, this past week and says the game isn't fun anymore. Because guys don't go to strip clubs and guys don't talk about women the same way and whatever. Like, are you kidding me? This is the problem. There is this weird culty worship that happens with the game of hockey and the people who have, I guess, grown up in it. Like hockey is looked upon as this sacred thing that can't possibly be touched. The sanctity of the game, tradition, all these buzz phrases that you hear about. It's frankly bullshit. And it's stuff like that it's why you still don't see hockey players show any personality. It's why nothing gets changed. All these rule changes happen too late. It's why we still have fighting in hockey. And it's why behavior like this continues to be tolerated. This culture where this harassment is acceptable. Enough. Like, when can we look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that in order to advance this sport and to make it better, things have to change? And I get it. Leipzig's comments, they were in a private group chat. The only reason anybody saw them was because the group chat got hacked and somebody aired his dirty laundry sent out the screenshots onto social media. Let me make it clear. That's not okay. 
the guy shouldn't have had his Instagram account hacked or whoever's Instagram account was hacked. I don't know. That's an invasion of privacy. It's not cool. But those dudes don't get a pass because of that. The fact that it's a private group chat, I can guarantee you, is no comfort to the women that they called fat. One of them they called a fat native pig. Guys' wives and girlfriends they made fun of. How do you think they feel when you see that it's when when someone says, oh, well, it was a private group chat. It doesn't mean anything. And my personal favorite, everyone talks like that. That's the problem. And I don't want to make it sound like everyone was defending him. Because they weren't. There was an overwhelming majority of people who called him out for it. Even within the hockey community. Matthew Barnaby took some heat. I gave him some heat. Because he said 95% of this or something like this talk goes on in 95% of NHL locker rooms. And he himself said he doesn't condone anything that was said. I think he elaborated on a podcast. I didn't listen to the podcast. But this is a fundamental shift that has to happen from the ground up. Like Brock and I talked about a couple weeks ago. It's a top-down, bottom-up approach. If you teach kids at a young age that saying this stuff is not okay, then that'll translate to the pros. And in the pros, I don't believe in the mantra that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. We've got to make it clear that we as fans of this sport don't stand for this type of behavior. And if players see that, eventually they're going to stop. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. But there has to be zero tolerance for this. There's no excuses anymore. There are so many badass women in hockey now in every facet of the sport, playing, broadcasting, coaching, management. We can't continue to say hockey is for everyone. When this stuff is still going on. And I don't want to give this. Too much of my time. Because it's been covered exhaustively. Lots of people have written about it. I've written about it. But I'll say this. In terms of Brendan Leipzig himself. I really hope something positive comes out of this. Because making a mistake does not make you irredeemable. And it wasn't just one mistake. I understand that. It's a pattern of behavior. But I hope Brendan Leipzig understands why what he said was wrong. Use it as uses it as a learning experience. Comes out a better person at the end of this thing. And who knows? Maybe he's back in the NHL someday. I don't know what that would look like. I don't know what that's going to take. 
It should be the least of anyone's concerns right now. But what good is this movement towards inclusion if people can't learn from it? I don't want to cancel anybody. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see anybody have their career end and never come back. I want people to learn, understand, and come back better for it. That's what we should be aiming for. And that's another reason why I was really annoyed with the whole thing. Because the guy posts an, an apology on Twitter. An iPhone apology that clearly someone else wrote. And he didn't even bother to crop the image. That's not growth. That's not understanding. That's trying to save face. And the Capitals released him. Now he's out of a job. I don't know. At the end of the day, the person I feel really bad, the people I feel really bad for is the women who were the subjects of those, of the remarks that were made. And it wasn't just Leipzig. It was his brother who just got cut from the University of Manitoba men's hockey team. It was a couple other dudes. Jack Rodewald, ex-Senators prospect, was in there. I don't know if he actually said anything objectionable, but he was in the chat. So it's just an ugly situation. Um, and I hope those women and everyone that was on the receiving end of those attacks is doing all right. Like I said, I am not worthy of passing judgment on anyone. I have made my fair share of mistakes. I have said things that I'm not proud of. But at the end of the day, the only way our sport is going to grow and the only way this culture is going to shift is if people speak up and we hold each other accountable. So, Brendan Leipzig, I hope you understand why what you said was wrong. I hope you learn from it, you understand it, and you come back better for it. And I hope you can make amends with the people you've hurt. Sincerely, I mean that. Now for some actual hockey news. It was announced today, being Monday, that the American Hockey League season, the remainder of it, has officially been canceled. It's something that's been speculated for a while now. It's something that we've talked about with various people on the podcast. Spencer Blake, Ian Mendez, Sense Prospects. And now it's official. The season is dead. The Calder Cup will not be handed out this year. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. This is a Sens podcast. So naturally, we're going to talk about the Belleville Senators and what this means for them. And I tell you, man, I am gutted for those kids. I, ugh, It's just a brutal situation. They've worked so hard all year. The year-to-year improvement we saw from last year has been truly something special. 
the coming out parties of guys like Josh Norris and Alex Formanton, Logan Brown having a monster year, even despite some injuries. Same can be said for Eric Brandstrom, Drake Batherson. And then you factor in that they were likely going to get guys like Marcus Hogberg back for the playoffs, Christian Milanen, Yarosh. That was a team that was going to make a run for it. That was a Calder Cup caliber team for sure. And it sucks that those kids aren't going to get the chance to play for it. One of the questions that I asked pretty much all the guests that we've had on this podcast that have talked about it, the guys I mentioned, guys and girls like Kaylee Salvin that I mentioned before, I asked that if they thought not having a playoff would hurt the development of these kids in the long run. Ian Mendez made an interesting point when he said that because everyone is in the same boat, he believes that it won't really, it'll balance out in the long run because everyone is going to miss out on this prime develop development opportunity. The Milwaukee Admirals were a team that Spencer Blake thought posed the biggest threat to a Belleville Calder Cup win. Like, it's going to hurt them too if it hurts anyone. So that balancing out effect is something that could happen. In terms of Belleville specifically, I don't know that it hurts them because clearly not having a playoff last year in the sense that Belleville didn't make the playoffs didn't hurt Drake Batherson. It didn't hurt Logan Brown. I think the guys who are made to be NHL players, the guys who are clear-cut future top six forwards or even top nine forwards, they're going to be all right. I believe that. Batherson, Norris, Formanton, Brown, Balsers. Those are all guys to me who I'm not worried about. Really, I'm not. You know what? I'm not really worried about anyone. I think it's one of those things where it would have been nice, but it's not the end-all, be-all. It's a Belleville team that's probably going to make the playoffs next year. I mean, hopefully next year, whenever there's another AHL season, because that's in doubt right now with everything that's going on. But a lot of them are going to get their first taste of playoff hockey with the Senators, with Ottawa. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. If you look at that 2017 Ottawa Senators team, I think one of the biggest things that they benefited from was getting their asses handed to them in the playoffs. 
Eric Carlson lost playoff series to the Rangers, the Penguins, the Habs. And then he comes out in 2017 and just tears it up. Same can be said for Mark Stone. Pajot. You learn through failure. You learn from getting beat up by good teams and then coming back stronger for it. Hell, the Pittsburgh Penguins just finished up a dynasty. The team that probably did them the biggest favor in setting them on the path to that dynasty was the 2007 Ottawa Senators. Because Crosby was young. Malkin was young. And that Sens team that went on to the cup final that year rolled the Penguins in the first round in five games. Ottawa hasn't beaten Pittsburgh in the playoffs since. Not in 2008, not in 2010, not in 2013, and not in 2017. Iron sharpens iron, as they say. That was a quote I heard a lot in my football playing days. But it's true. And what I'm getting at is when these kids see their first taste of playoff action within hopefully the next couple years, it's probably not going to go too well. They may catch somebody sleeping, win a playoff round, but I don't think they go past two rounds. And that lays building blocks for the future. That Senators team that went to the 2017 conference final, that was the first time they'd been there in 10 years. It took losing in the first round in 2012, second round in 2013, first round in 2015 to get there. It would be great if they come out in their first playoff appearance and they go all the way and they win a Stanley Cup. I certainly would not complain. But... The difference between getting your first taste of playoff games in Belleville and the difference between getting your first playoff games in the NHL, I think there's an argument to be made that waiting and getting that, or yeah, waiting and then playing them in the NHL isn't the worst thing in the world. It's a whole different ball game than the American League. So again, it would have been a nice supplementary experience, maybe even in a bonding sense that these guys play longer together and play meaningful games together since they'll probably be playing together at the next level. But at the end of the day, there is so much young talent on this Ottawa team and so much more that's going to be coming in the next year or two. I don't think it hurts them crazily. In the long run. I I don't think so at all. Let's talk about the captaincy. This is something I've wanted to touch on for a while. I don't think we... Have focused on it too much over the course of the podcast but uh, I've seen a 
decent contingent of people that don't think Brady Kachuk should be the captain of the Ottawa Senators. And it's not for a lack of talent or anything like that because that would be absurd. But people are of the belief that Brady needs to be a shit disturber. He needs to have the freedom to go around, piss people off to no end, get in scrapes, and be the emotional heart and soul of the team that way. And I think the argument is that having the C on his chest will limit him in that sense because he has to be more of a composed leader. But I don't know that I agree with that. And I'll tell you why. Brady Kachuk is already the spark plug to the engine. He is already the guy that the Senators rally around. There was a game, I think I think it was in January or February, where it just wasn't competitive between Ottawa and Montreal. Thomas Shabbat got hurt within the first 10 minutes of the game. Ottawa kind of went out with a whimper and they lost. But all night long, Brady was just spitting fire. He was getting in scrapes with everyone. He was giving it to the Habs bench. He slammed his stick at the end of a period because he was so pissed off. Like, that is what a captain should be. We're, we're in the year 2020 now. I don't necessarily agree with the notion that a captain has to be this stoic leader who always leads by example. The captain doesn't need to be Michael Jordan or Steve Eiserman. Maybe Jordan's a bad example. Or Joe Sackick. There you go. A captain can be, for a football reference, Ray Lewis. A guy who rallies his team with his passion and with his fire and with his words just as much as he rallies them with his on-ice play. Hell, maybe even the best example of this is Brady's dad, Keith. He was the captain in Phoenix. Same style of player as Brady. Pissed everyone off to no end. But talented as all hell. The notion that, and I mean, it's not even like Brady takes disproportionately takes a bunch of penalties. He draws way more penalties than he takes. So for us to sit here and pretend like he shouldn't be the captain because he can't be trusted emotionally, I don't buy that for a second. I think an emotional, chest-pounding leader is what the Senators need. It's something they've never had before. Alfie was a lead-by-example guy 90% of the time. He had his moments where he went off. But all in all, Alfie was a guy who went out, did the job, and went back to the bench. That's not a bad thing. 
But to me, Brady can be this new wave type of leader. He's a type of captain that, if you look around the division, the Habs don't have, the Leafs don't have, the Bruins don't have. Brady Kachuk is unique in the sense that he's the emotional engine of the team. But he's also the ones get the one getting his hands dirty. I don't know that I've I don't think the Senators have ever had a player like that before. Mark Stone had the same type of energy and emotion, but he wasn't nearly as gritty as Brady. Brady's this, this jack of all trades. And to me, you don't need a letter to be a leader. Stone didn't need to be the captain to know that he was the captain of the team after Carlson was traded. But if you give that C to Brady, you send a message, you put the league on notice, and you say, this is who we are now. This is our identity. This is our general. This is the guy we're, we're going behind. And you may beat us, you may outscore us, but you're going to remember us the next day. That is the type of captain the Ottawa Senators should have. That is why you make Brady Kachuk the captain of the Ottawa Senators. Every team in the league in a year or two is going to wish they had a Brady Kachuk. They're going to be trying to make their own Brady Kachuks. This is your guy. This is the dude who everyone on the team looks up to, who everyone on the team follows into battle. Own it. Make that the identity of the team. DJ Smith has tried to craft this identity of a hardworking team that night in and night out gives every team a battle, regardless of the circumstances. Own it. Let's get to some questions here. I don't have a ton to talk about. I don't want to waste any of your precious time. Three sins and which three sins media personalities you would have wanted to be stuck with since the beginning of the quarantine? Well, for the sins, I got to go Brady Kachuk because, I mean, come on. Dude seems like a riot. Christian Milanen, uh... If you haven't heard Walking the Line with Wooly with him and Graham Creech, you should definitely check it out. It's a great podcast. Will Annan seems like a great dude. And Duclair, because his social media is hilarious. Seems like a funny guy. Seems like a bunch of guys I could just bro down with. Guys being dudes, you know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, those are my three. Brady, Duke, and Will Annan. Three media personalities. Well, I got to go Ian Mendez. He's the nicest guy on the face of the earth. 
Haley Salvian is awesome. She's super funny and her coverage is great. So I feel like I could learn a lot from both of them. And for the third one, hmm. I'm gonna say Craig Medaglia, who runs the Send social media, because I wanna I wanna look behind the scenes to see how the magic happens, see how the senators earned themselves the best social media presence in the National Hockey League. So Brady, Willannon, Duke, Ian, Haley, Craig. Do you think there should be a la- the Last Dance style miniseries regarding the post twenty seventeen playoff run senators? Post twenty seventeen, ooh. I would definitely love to see how the wheels fell off that train. So, yes, definitely. Who will be the number one center next year if we don't get one in the draft? I think internally you're looking at either one of Logan Brown or Josh Norris. Number one center, you want that kind of offensive touch. Both those guys just have incredible vision a knack for creating chances in the offensive zone. I think if you're talking internally, it's going to be one of those two that transitions into filling that number one center role for Ottawa. Similar question. Should the Sens really draft Byfield if they get the second overall pick? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Look, Quinton Byfield is... For his age and for his level of production, for all his physical attributes, far and away the second best player in the draft. I think the only way, if you're picking number two, that you don't take Byfield is if Alexei Lafreniere, for some strange reason, hasn't been taken first overall. Uh, From there, what else we got? Now that I know where you stand on it, a track-by-track track breakdown of Mr. Misunderstood. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge music fan. I'm a sucker for great songwriting. Eric Church is one of my favorite artists. Uh, he has an album called Misunder- Mr. Misunderstood that came out in 2015. Um, I've referred to that album as my born to run like it's an amazing album and one that kind of changed my life musically so we'll go through this really quickly um and by the way if you haven't heard this album my god check it out it's a master class of composition and songwriting the title track mr misunderstood um it's an anthem for that well that mis- misunderstood kid that awkward kid that's trying to find his place in the world great track to kick off the album one of my favorites second one is Mist- mistress named music um again it's a track about kind of losing yourself in what you were born to do. And in this case for Eric Church, it's songwriting. It's, it's music. He's married to a dream with a mistress named Music. Love that line. I love that song. What do we got next? Chattanooga Lucy. <laughs> That's just a fun little ditty. Um, yeah, I don't really even really know what to say about that one. Um, it's just a really fun song. Mixed drink, uh, that one's with Joanna Cotton. Next is Mixed Drinks with About Feelings with Susan Tedeschi. Really love this song. It's a really emotional song from both sides of these of a relationship that kind of has a rift in the middle of it. It's really powerful. Um, 
it's it's melancholically beautiful with the piano in the background. Oh, it's just great. Knives of New Orleans. Um, that's a badass song. Just about an outlaw um, on the run. Man, I don't even want to give too much away. If you haven't heard that song, go listen to it because it's amazing. Round Here Buzz, um, song about just kind of getting over a girl after a breakup. Um, and just kind of starting to feel good after she's gone. Uh, one of those, <laughs> uh, again, just lyrically, just brilliant. Um, round Here Buzz, like, you know, I catch me a Round Here Buzz because you ain't round here none. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's not for everybody, but I love that. Um just those outside the box lyrics that you don't always get on the radio these days. It, I think it's great. Killer word, um, lots of fun wordplay in that song. I love wordplay, so that's a big one for me. Holding my own. Um, it's a nice little ballad about just, um, just no matter what the world throws at you and everything that life kind of puts you through, you just hang on. You hang in there and hold your own. I love that tune. Record year, again, another like post-breakup song about um, finding great music after a breakup and it kind of getting you through things. So that's a great tune, one of the best on the record. And the last one is Three-Year-Old, um, all the things he learns from his, at the time, three-year-old son, um, just kind of framing the world through his three-year-old son's eyes. It's a great tune. It packs a punch, man. I don't have kids, but I can only imagine for people that do, like, that song would hit you where you live. And really, I think that is a good place to wrap it up. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Sorry for the last little bit. You can hear my dishwasher in the background. In in any case... If you like the podcast, and I hope you do, make sure to share it, make sure to subscribe, and rate it five stars. Case numbers keep going down. Curve keeps flattening. Let's keep it up. Let's keep that foot on the gas. If you're going out, wear a mask. If not, stay home, stay healthy, and stay safe. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for episode 18 of Internal Budget. Take care, y'all.